fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. John Ryder is welcome into the program. Hey, you finally made it to the end of the week. It's a Friday. It's a beautiful Friday. It's always a good day. If you have to work on the weekend, that doesn't mean a whole lot to you. But nonetheless, it's still a uh, check mark that you've made it to the end of this week. So welcome aboard. Thanks for hanging out with us today, as you do every single day, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, though. Multiple radio stations, TV stations, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. Always great to have you along for the ride today. Your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. I am almost, almost over this garbage. If you can still hear my voice a little bit, still a bit stuffy. Hopefully it doesn't interrupt the program too terribly much today. I am on the tail end realizing it's not a cold, but it's a sinus infection. I woke up last night. I was exhausted, not feeling well. Went home. Mrs. Voice of Reason gave me a bowl of soup, sent me to bed right away, took some NyQuil. I was out by 730 last night. I woke up at 10, 10.30, whatever it was, and I couldn't breathe. It was concrete, man. I could not breathe at all, and it was bothering me. I finally had to break down and take some Afrin, which if you know Afrin, works great. Not supposed to take it a whole lot. I've never taken it before. Opened things up wonderfully. Was able to get some good sleep. Slept until about, I don't know, 4.30, and then it came back with a vengeance again, not able to breathe. So we've been fighting it by this week, and I promise you, I promise you, by the time we flip on the mic again on Monday, we'll be ready to rock and roll and get this garbage over with. But uh, boy, oh boy, it's been a brutal one. I hate. Get- I think it's just because I'm a baby and I hate getting sick. I am way too busy. I have way too much to do. I don't have time to get sick. So leave me alone. I got to get some stuff done. So that's <laughs> that's where I'm at. Coming up on the program today, it's a big one as usual. Bottom of the hour, Alex Newman. Uh, for those that have listened to the program for a long stint of time, we had Alex Newman on, I want to say, about a year or two ago. It's been a while since we've chatted with him. He is the uh, pr- uh, president, founder of his new organization, Liberty Sentinel Media, as we'll talk about, uh, which I believe, I swear, I'm trying to think of what we talked with him about last time. I want to say it was on some libertarian issues. He's an international journalist, by the way, an award-winning journalist, educator, author, consultant. Uh, he's been all over the country talking about a wide array of stuff. WorldNet Daily uh, contributor for them as well, which I believe is when we talked with him last time uh, when he was with them. So we'll have Alex on at the bottom of the hour regarding the United Nations. Are they taking over our public education curriculum? Now, obviously, we have a lot of battles in the public education system with the critical race theory and with gender issues and with other garbage they try to teach our youth of America. So the question is, will he uh, will the United Nations be taking over that and will it just get worse? And how much control will we have in our public education at the local level compared to not even at the state level or the federal level, but now the international level with the United Nations. We'll talk about that coming up here in just a little bit. But what a week it's been in the world of politics, right? I mean, let's jump into some of these issues. What's trending today? We talked a lot about the balloons. We talked a lot about um, the train derailment yesterday. Don't need to mention some of those. But there was an interesting comment and announcement that was made earlier this week as well with Nikki Haley officially announcing her presidential run for 2024. 
which I found kind of interesting. If those that don't know, she was the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. uh, under the Trump administration. And I thought her and Donald Trump got along just fine. She's defended Trump in many cases, but now she's making a run against him and kind of making some personal shots at him, which I found kind of intriguing. We're ready. Ready to move past the stale ideas and faded names of the past. And we are more than ready for a new generation to lead us into the future. We won't win the fight for the 21st century if we keep trusting politicians from the 20th century. America is not past our prime. It's just that our politicians are past theirs. Now, I know that she's taken a shot at Joe Biden, obviously, for being in there, and rightfully so. He hasn't been out of public office since, like, 1978 or whenever he actually became a U.S. senator. So, And before that, when he was in local politics as well. So I, I know that that jab was there, but right now we're looking at a primary. She's essentially made the first primary candidate against Donald Trump, as Ron DeSantis has yet to jump in. Other names are looming out there, but no one's officially announced as well. So she's officially made the first primary race for the Republican Party in 2024. And while Donald Trump is up there in his age, what is he, 78 right now? I believe 76. I mean, he's in his upper 70s and not quite 80 yet. Joe Biden's into his 80s right now. She made the comments regarding individuals that are 75 plus, saying that we need to have mental health screenings for anyone over the age of 75, and we need some new blood and a new face uh, in our politics, which I think a lot of people can agree. Look, I'm 34. I'm part of the millennial generation. I think a lot of my generation's looking back and saying, hey, there's not a lot of representation of our generation, which, to be honest, is maybe a good thing with how bad our generation's been corrupted. And we'll get there eventually. But right now, there's not a lot of representation in politics with our generation. And the only ones that do represent our generation right now is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, which can you can you imagine that being the representation of our entire generation? I'm, I'm very sorry. I apologize very much because she's not what Republicans and what my generation actually stand for. So I'm terribly sorry for what she's done for our generation, corrupting it and giving us a bad reputation. But Nikki Haley running as a Republican, maybe somewhat conservative, not a whole lot conservative, more of the mainstream Republican, at least from what I understand a little bit about her record. Obviously, we'll know more as the campaign goes on. But is the identity politics thing really going to be the main focal point in her campaign. I mean, if that's what she's going to run on is saying, you know, outside of the ideas and the views of what she has on issues, I know that sometimes that's not the sexiest thing to talk about on the campaign trail because it really needs to be in the presidential race, really about the hoorah celebrity rock star candidacy and the rock star status for people to be gushing over you and love you. And you don't do that by dividing people by talking about policy. Because even in the Republican ranks, there's different ideas regarding Republican policy, and therefore you don't want to rock that boat. You just want to gain all of their uh, support, regardless of where you stand. Then you squabble about that stuff after you're already in office, and then half the party begins to hate you. (laughs) That's kind of how politics works nowadays. But if the identity politics is going to be her platform of their old, we need to get someone new in, I don't know that that's necessarily going to be a winning platform, as Matt Schlapp from CPAC mentioned on Newsmax just earlier today. I, I guess the only reaction I have that's mildly critical is this whole, you know, I'm not uh, an Anglo-Saxon and uh, I'm not old. Uh, I'm a young woman of color and ethnic diversity. You know, I, I think we are a very tolerant movement. I know we are. and I know we're a heck of a lot more tolerant than the left, which is not tolerant at all anymore anymore. 
But I also think that what the Republican voters want is they want to know you're going to fight like hell against this woke mob and against socialism. They don't really care how old you are. They don't really care if you're male or female. They just want you to fight like hell. If Nikki Haley turns out to be the person that will fight like uh, the Dickens for the country, she's got a real shot. If it's going to be just about I'm young and, I, and I'm a different kind of candidate, I just think Republicans are so exhausted of the you know push for diversity over competence that I think she's going to have to find a new message. I would have to agree with that wholeheartedly. I think that going for an identity politics platform on the Republican Party is going to be an extremely unpopular one. Even if she says it's all about age, are we going to we're apparently going to go to ageism now and how Donald Trump, Joe Biden, some of these other candidates are just way too old and therefore we just need fresh young blood. That's cool. What's the actual idea? It's nothing against Nikki Haley here, here because I think she may have some good ideas. She may be able to contribute to the presidential run a whole lot. And it kind of blows my entire theory that the reason she was jumping in was to support Donald Trump because some of the latest polls show Donald Trump was in the lead. And then when or I'm sorry, that Ron DeSantis was in the lead. And then when Nikki Haley jumped in, it split the vote from Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, giving Trump the lead in some of those national polls. And my original theory, the first day I heard about her jumping in was that she was going to be in there to be a sabotageur against the Republican primaries and the other candidates in order to help Donald Trump in the end. But now this attack against the ageism about having a mental health test, which, by the way, if you remember, Donald Trump did take a mental test while he was in the office and passed it with flying colors. Joe Biden has not because they didn't give him the right colored crayons. So there, <laughs> there is there is that. See, see what we did there? Ah, see what we did there? <laughs> Happy Friday. Yeah. So Joe Biden would not be able to test one. I get it. I think, honestly, we need to give a mental health screening for anybody that's in elected office. Not just the president, wouldn't you agree? I mean, House members, Senate members. Do you realize we have 89, 90-year-olds that are sitting there in, in Congress that are just doing their thing, that have been there for the last 40 years, and they don't know where they're at any longer, which gets us into our What's Trending of the Day. What's Trending Today. So the big story today, obviously, is the fact that we have a Congress that is out of touch with the American people because they've been there for so long, they don't understand the grassroots. And I reference this all the time, that when Hillary Clinton was running for president and she had to take the classes in order to be relatable to her constituents, that's a serious problem because the government is supposed to be of the people, by the people, and for the people. Remember that phrase? And right now, we don't have that. We have a bunch of really, really old people, again, not making fun of old people in any way, shape, or form, but we have people that have been in public service for years, and I'm talking 20, 30, 40, 50 years that they've been up there. They're completely out of touch with the common American, aren't they? Whether they're doing good stuff or not, I would say they're somewhat out of touch, unless they still live with the common folk, and they live right next to them, which a lot of them don't. They're the elites now. They have the wall around their house and their mansion. They're making the millions of dollars with kickbacks with certain legislation. And then they try to come back to the American people and say, hey, vote for me because I'm totally representing you in your best interest. Doesn't necessarily work. But I'm here for some optimism because, as you know, the latest headline shows that John Fetterman is now in the hospital after checking himself in due to severe depression. Now that shortly after being in the hospital just last week due to having uh, health issues, not feeling well, and concerned about another potential stroke. 
And for those that don't know, the reason John Fetterman may act and talk and look a little strange is because during the campaign in the primary season during the Senate race in Pennsylvania, he ended up having a major stroke. And now he can't even respond to people that are audibly talking to him. He has to have them written out so he can process it before actually responding. That should be a major red flag for individuals, especially voters in the state of Pennsylvania, on whether he's actually qualified and prepared to do the job. Nothing against him in that sense. I disagree with him politically. I think he's an idiot politically. But on the personal level, I feel very bad for him because I don't wish that upon anybody, even my worst enemy, to have such a stroke that your brain doesn't function at the capacity that it needs to do so. And to be honest, that's one of my biggest fears when I get older. I don't want that kind of stuff to happen, which is why I try to go on these major health kicks, because I don't want that to happen. You try to limit those potentials. And I feel terribly bad for him, and I pray for him every day for the fact that he can actually function properly. But beyond that, he was in the hospital last week for a potential stroke or concerns about health issues. Now he's in because he checked himself in now for severe depression. And he's going to be there apparently for a few weeks. Now the Democrats are praising him for checking himself in for the mental health issues and making sure he's okay. And I will piggyback on that as well and say, I'm glad that you're getting the care and treatment that you need for the issue that you have. The problem is you're an elected official. You have work to be done. You are one of only a hundred senators in the entire Senate that can actually get things done. And now you've checked yourself in for weeks. Do Democrats now have their own John McCain that's sabotaging the the, the party essentially by not being there getting things done and for major votes that are coming up. On the positive side politically, Republicans have an opportunity here, which we'll get to in just a second right after this, on a Friday for The Voice of Reason. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. All right, it is 24 minutes past the hour. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out for a Friday, spending some of your time with us here on the show. Always appreciated. We love you to death. Hearts, baby. (laughs) I'm I'm trying to appeal to the younger crowd here for a second. Hold on here. Hashtag we love you. Pound sign. I don't know. See, I'm right on that teetering. I remember when I was a kid... Like, computers were just starting to be a thing. Now, it's like, you know, I'm the last generation. My generation, my age group is the very last generation to grow up without computers and technology in your face the entire time. So, I'm trying to appeal to both crowds here. Give me a break, will you? So, we have an opportunity, and I really hope that Republicans are listening. I know you do. Even elected officials, you listen to this program. Thank you for listening because I get your messages afterwards and your uh, tweets and messages about some of the stuff we comment about on this program. So at the federal level, I really hope some of our senators are actually listening right now, especially Mitch McConnell. He's probably not listening to this program because he doesn't listen to conservative talk radio because he's not a conservative. But I really hope that they pay attention here for just a moment. I don't think we realize how close the votes actually are in the U.S. Senate and how we could still be promoting a decent Republican agenda coming out of the Senate as much as we are with our majority in the House of Representatives. And here's what I mean. Right now, Democrats have a majority in the Senate, 51 to 49, a very close, slim majority, one of those individuals being John Fetterman, who's going to be out of commission now for the next few weeks because of his severe depression. 
makes you really think why he went into office as well, because he's probably just enjoying the fact that the government's going to take care of his health needs because of the things that are going on. Another story, we'll digress for that later time. But the 5149 majority really isn't a true 5149 majority. Really, it's 49 Republicans, 48 Democrats, and three independents that are caucusing primarily with Democrats. So if you break it down actually affiliated party size, Republicans have the majority by a vote over the Democrats, 49 to 48. We just have three independents with Bernie Sanders, with Angus King, and then Kirsten Sinema, who recently switched over to the independents as well from the state of Arizona, who predominantly votes with Democrats. Not to say that she's going to be some big conservative now because she's independent, but she's left the party giving an open door an opportunity. So now with John Fetterman gone, we really have a 49-47 majority over Democrats with three independents, making it a 50-49 split, which means all you need is one singular vote to flip anything over to have a Republican majority and actually get some things done, which would come in handy, you would think, during a time of when we're debating debt ceilings and and the debt cap on whether we're going to raise the debt ceiling or cut government spending. And you know who we could try and pawn off on that one. That could be the guy like Joe Manchin, who's a moderate Democrat and has been somewhat reasonable on some financial and budgetary issues. If we flip him while John Fetterman's out of commission right now, not to try and pry on his uh, you know, mental issues and his health issues right now, but with him being out of office, guess what they did when John McCain was out of office? He's the new John McCain for the Democrat Party right now. What can we do in that situation? Oh, yeah, we can promote a Republican agenda, actually get some budgets cut or actually get something under control. Flip someone like Joe Manchin, who's, by the way, very angry at the Democrat Party right now because of the way they're implementing the Green New Deal. I mean, the infrastructure plan. I mean, the omnibus package that they passed that he was the hold up on because he was concerned about private sector businesses and jobs and the industries that were going to be overhauled with the Green New initiatives coming into the country. Win him over on some issues. There's also a major list, by the way, of Democrats, including Bob Casey from Pennsylvania, Bernie Sanders from Vermont, Dianne Feinstein from California, Debbie Stabenow from Michigan, and John Tester from Montana. All of them that are considering not running for re-election in 2024, leaving open seats for Republicans to potentially flip in the next election. And when politicians are looking at retiring or not running for re-election, they don't have to worry about their political capital. Who's to say we can't pry on one or two or three of them to potentially help flip things as well? Opportunities are endless right now with a Democrat being out of commission. Just saying. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into The Voice of Reason for a Friday radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time on all of our great radio stations. More coming soon here as well. More information on that a little bit later. Real quickly as we 
shift gears here. The announcement from Nikki Haley, as we mentioned, was really about, uh, which was a weird identity politics thing, didn't expect from a Republican candidate, really about age, though, was that anybody over 75 needs a mental health screening and, and that she's the new face of the Republican Party, new generation of leaders. Totally get it. Kind of a weird thing to do when you're a former boss with the Trump administration when you were the U.N. ambassador. Uh, kind of a weird thing to do when you apparently get along with them and you not only took jabs at Biden, but you also kind of took jabs at Donald Trump as well, which I found kind of strange. Uh, but as she mentioned that, the Democrats, at least one in particular, kind of in a hotbed after making some comments on CNN. This was Don Lemon. Talk about age makes me uncomfortable. I think that I think it's the wrong road to go down. She says people, you know, politicians or something are not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry. When a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. What are you that's, talk- not acor- Wait. I, that's not according to me. Prime for what? Uh, it depends. I mean, it's just like prime. If you look it up, it'll if you look, if you Google when is a woman in her prime, it'll say 20s, 30s and 40s. Whoopsies. You don't do that. Just just I, I don't know if he's married or not. I'm just telling you, man, just as a, you don't do that on the week of Valentine's Day when you're like, yeah, women's in their prime in their 20s, 30s and 40s. But she's out of her prime, too. Any woman above a certain age is out of their prime. Dude, apparently he did not make the morning show this morning and he did send out a tweet apologizing to the network and to everybody about that. But there you go. Trying to take a hit on Nikki Haley didn't turn out too well because you don't bring up the woman's age. Apparently he didn't know that one. Let's get into what's trending. What's trending today? I want to shift gears a little bit. I think that's hilarious. Well done, buddy. Well done. And you call us the sexist and Donald Trump being the sexist. Well done. I want to shift gears a little bit here. Excited to have back on the program. It's been way too long since we've had this guy on the show, as he is the CEO of the Liberty Sentinel Media, which you can find online at libertysentinel.org. He's also senior editor for the New American Magazine as well. Excited to have back on the program, Mr. Alex Newman. Alex, how are you, brother? Doing great. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you back on the program. It's been uh, way too long. I I saw this headline and I had to bring you on to chat about this because this was mind blowing to me. With education being forefront, uh, top center for conversation, I think really since the election a couple years ago in Virginia, where they essentially said that parents should not have a say in their education for their children and they just need to stop it, and how we've even been deemed as almost domestic terrorists for having a say in our public education and the curriculum for our children. Now we see arguments with critical race theory. We see arguments about the LGBTQ uh, in identity politics issues. It seems like now, according to you and according to these headlines, we could be seeing our education curriculum not even coming from our local school boards or our state department of education or even the federal department of education, but working to be pushed up to the United Nations level on a global scale. Is that what we're dealing with here? Yeah, it is, Andy. And this actually has been a growing problem. It's been taking place for decades. You have a a relatively obscure UN agency. It's called UNESCO, the UN Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. And the goal has always been to turn it into kind of like a global department of education, a global school board, if you will. Uh, But the mechanics weren't there, right? I mean, in the United States, we had local school boards, and then states started usurping that control, and that moved up to the federal government. Well, now, uh, especially it was turbocharged during the Obama administration, but even before that, there were several uh, legal instruments adopted by all the governments of the world at UN conferences where they agreed that uh, all children need to learn from the same standards, uh, that these standards are a common and universal responsibility, which for the UN, that's code word for it, the UN responsibility, right? It's not parents, it's not local uh, officials, it's not legislatures, it is the UN. 
And uh, and at this point, they have a world core curriculum. Uh, Bill Gates went over to UNESCO headquarters in 2004, signed a deal with them to create global standards, global curricula, global teacher training programs. Then he poured billions of dollars with a B into Common Core. So uh, so this has been happening under the surface for a long time, but it really popped out into the open during the Obama administration, and it is continuing, um, and it's happening as we speak. So. That is concerning. Now, what type of curriculum are they pushing? Obviously, the Common Core, which has been a main one that we've talked about for years, has been one that the federal government's pushing. Is that along the same beliefs here? Or what are they trying to? Uh, what are they trying to change in our curriculums? Yeah, the Common Core. I, I think you know it, it's often portrayed as and seen as a federalization of our educational system, but it's much more than that. Um, if you look at some of the early advertisements that Bill Gates and his front group were buying as they were trying to market this to the American people. Uh, they actually openly and proudly declared that the Common Core would align America's educational system with international standards. Uh, and, and they were promoting that. They were very proud of that. Uh, I think it, it didn't focus group very well, so eventually they backed off of that. But um, they are uh, very consciously, very deliberately in the process of building a global educational system. Uh, you have U.N. agencies, including multiple agencies at UNESCO, that are working to mainstream and promote uh, social-emotional learning around the world. Uh, the UNESCO has led the charge, actually, over a period of decades to get every national government to institute national testing programs because, of course, testing drives the curriculum, and then UNESCO gets involved in the testing. And so there are now multiple avenues through which the United Nations is extending its tentacles into our classrooms. Um, and, and again, this is a global phenomenon. Uh, they just met a couple of years ago in Beijing for the conference on artificial intelligence in education. Uh, and it gets really, really weird the deeper you dig. That is very strange. Where does right now, where does America land on the spectrum of quality of education? We used to be at the top. Now that we've kind of implemented more of the government control and federalization of education, we've slowly dropped down around the world. But right now I see China teaching like 10-year-olds how to build apps on their on their uh, you know iPads while we're talking about you know what gender we feel like today. So I'm a little concerned on where we rank on the global scale of education. Yeah, that's a good question, and I, I don't know that there's a single good methodology for determining that. The most commonly used metric is called the PISA test, the P-I-S-A, and I have some real concerns about that way that, about the way that test is formulated, but using that test as a basis, we are now basically at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to advanced, uh, industrialized, developed countries. But I, I think the situation is actually even worse than the PISA test would reveal. Uh, if you look at, for example, every two years, the federal government does what they call the National Assessment of Educational Progress. According to the federal government's data, less than one-third of the children in our public schools are proficient in any core subject. So English, science, reading, math, uh, writing, uh, history, right? Are less than one-third of these children in public schools are proficient. And proficient doesn't mean they're good at it, they're masters at it. It means they're barely eking by over the most dumbed-down standards we've ever had. So I suspect America is very rapidly moving to the bottom of the barrel. And um, and I believe it's deliberate. So. That's a big concern for me. We're talking with Alex Newman with uh, Liberty Sentinel Media, which you can find online, libertysentinel.org. Let's go a little bit deeper into their curriculum. What is social-emotional learning? Because to me that sounds very uh, uh, very progressive-esque of, well, you know, 2 plus 2 can equal 5 because that's why I feel more comfortable with it being. Yeah, social-emotional learning is an incredibly significant change in the way education is, is done. Now, they portray it as very benign. Oh, we're just teaching kids to regulate their emotions and you know develop healthy relationships, and all that sounds very cute. 
But uh, actually, what's happening here is much, much darker. And so I'll give you some examples of how this happened. They'll say, well, we want children to be empathetic, right? And, and who would want their children not to be empathetic? Sure. So they get parents on board like this. They get even Christian schools now. Some are, are adopting this stuff. So, well, yeah, we want our kids to be empathetic. And then you need to look at how they define empathetic. For them, empathetic means you need to support open borders. You need to support, quote-unquote, gender-affirming care for children who've been brainwashed to believe they're a new gender. You need to support abortion. So they, they throw out a term that we all think we know what it means, and then they weaponize that to indoctrinate our children into a really radical political and increasingly even spiritual values. Uh, one of the things that I, I actually did the first critical report on social emotional learning uh, for the Epic Times, and then later I wrote some pieces in The New American on this. And as I was researching, nobody had done this research. I couldn't believe it. But there's one organization in particular that's at the forefront of this. It's called CASEL, the Collaborative for Academic Social-Emotional Learning, funded by Bill Gates. And on their history page, they said the idea for SEL came out of the Fetzer Institute. Well, I had never heard of the Fetzer Institute, but I looked it up. Turns out it's this new age, occult, uh, weird thing that the guy claims to be communicating with spirits. And they do these weird prayers modeled on the stuff that Alice Bailey was teaching. So there's some really uh, strange, new age, kind of cultish stuff going on with, with even the genesis of SEL. And unfortunately, this has been very little explored. But I think the best way to summarize it is they're taking out the focus on academics. Instead of teaching kids how to read, we're going to teach them how to be, quote unquote, empathetic. But then empathetic means you have to believe in climate change, open borders, et cetera. It's very, very dangerous. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, everybody wants our kid to be empathetic, be emotional, be able to work through emotions. We have a, obviously a, a very large mental health issue we need to focus on here in the United States that I think needs to be forefront. But there's a line between being, you know, caring and loving. I love somebody doesn't mean I like exactly what they're doing or I agree with them in some way, shape or form. There's a line that's got to be drawn there. And it sounds like they're trying to push that boundary. Uh, they are. And you don't have to spend a lot of time on their websites or reviewing their curricula to realize that this is. Uh, left-wing extremism masquerading as education. And the thing is, they, they've gotten so uh, masterful at psychological manipulation and indoctrination of children that uh, this has really become a science. And, and I submit to parents that your children are in great danger from this. Um, you need to be aware of what's being taught. And they'll bring home papers. They'll say, we're teaching them empathy. We're teaching them compassion. We're teaching them how to make compromise uh, without realizing that Buried right underneath that is some really, really nefarious stuff. Interesting. Alex, we got to take a hard break here. When we come back, I want to continue this conversation and go a bit deeper. As you mentioned, where exactly they're coming with some of this and what uh, countries are starting to implement this already, including here in the United States, if we're starting to see some of this come out as well. It's Alex Newman. You can check him out online at libertysentinel.org. You can also check out The New American at thenewamerican.com and see some of their great writings as well. When we come back, we'll wrap up the program for a Friday, get some more of this and more, get you set for the weekend right here on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right, we are Reason, Common Sense, Rationale. That's what we're all about here on this program. Welcome back into it. It's a Friday. It's The Voice of Reason. Yours truly sitting in, hanging out here for a little bit more. 
go and check out, highly recommend, LibertySentinel.org. Was kind of skimming through some of the articles over the break and good stuff. Really excited to have Alex Newman on the program here as he's the president of the Liberty Sentinel Media, LibertySentinel.org. But while we were on the break, I was also going to the website of, as you mentioned, Alex, UNESCO, the Mahatma Gandhi Institute of Education for Peace and Sustainable Development, which is this new global idea for education and i was skimming through the courses and just looking under the headline for the drop down for the courses you have sel the uh the emotional learning for schools climate change the digital teacher games for learning biodiversity and human well-being sel for youth waging peace waging seems a little bit more of a harsh term for waging peace uh project-based learning global citizenship pandemics and sel resources for COVID 19 some fascinating conversations right there for our youth of america isn't it it really is and i I recommend parents spend a little bit of time on the website of this organization Uh, one of the things that i did was i looked into the leadership of this thing i looked into the founders of this thing and i looked through some of their publications and some of the programs they're offering and promoting to schools it is simply crazy uh, what you find is a collection of actual communists. I mean, these are members of communist parties, some of which have, have slaughtered hundreds of thousands, even millions of people. Uh, you've got pagans of different varieties. You've got uh, numerous New Agers who claim to be communicating with spirits and things like this. And then you've got a, a whole collection of psychiatrists and neuroscientists. And frankly, uh, you know, I wouldn't trust these people to clean a toilet bowl at the school, much less to program my children with social-emotional learning. And other things, uh, this is, I think, an urgent threat that parents need to be paying attention to. And, of course, it's all funded by our tax dollars. So. Yeah, that is concerning. So have we started implementing these things into the U.S.? Oh, there's no question. I mean, these, these things have been mainstreamed and normalized. Uh, they are absolutely ubiquitous in public schools across America. They are now being implemented in private schools, and even some Christian schools are implementing this SEL stuff. Uh, you know, in the Christian schools, they're sprinkling a Bible verse in here and there and saying, oh, it's Christian now. No, it's not. It's the same thing that it was in the public school, just with a Bible verse sprinkled on top. So parents need to be very, very aware of this. Uh, I think the danger is enormous. I've talked to teachers all across the country who've reported some of the horrors associated with this. I've talked to parents across the country. Um, it's you know, it's against our values. It's against our principles. It is very religious, right? Uh, if, if you listen to the people who are promoting this, they will openly tell you that they want to uh, bring spirituality into the classroom, but they have a very different vision of spirituality than, say, a typical American evangelical Christian or a Catholic or, or even an Orthodox believer from Eastern Europe. Uh, what we're talking about here is New Age spirituality, and you really don't have to dig far to prove that that's the case. Yeah, well, and that's what kind of intrigues me here is, I mean, obviously, I, I don't care for the communist mindset and the global citizenship, which is what they're really trying to promote here. And look, I mean, I, I'm open to all different types of religions. Being a Christian myself personally, I'm open to people believing whatever the hell they want to believe. I really don't care. Um, but when it comes to the idea of pushing it through a religious aspect on a global citizenship level to go along with some of the progressive agendas, that's a big trigger warning and I think a big red flag, I think, for a lot of individuals. And it should be. It really should be. You know, the the public schools have no business uh, indoctrinating our children with political ideas or even spiritual ideas, no matter where they come from. 
because, of course, these are funded by our taxpayer dollars. And I would just urge parents really focus on what's happening here. Go spend some time on this uh, website for this Mahatma Gandhi Institute for Education for Peace and Sustainable Development. This is a division of UNESCO, the UN Education Agency. And um, you really won't have to spend a lot of time looking through this to realize it's climate change propaganda. Like you mentioned, global citizenship has really become one of the key focal points not just of the SEL that they're pushing, but also of the World Court curriculum. All of the programs they're pushing are designed to get our children to think of themselves as citizens of the world, right? Their first loyalty is to the United Nations, not to their country, not to their parents, not to the church. Uh, these things would be very alarming to everybody. Very alarming indeed. It is Alex Newman. Go check him out. LibertySentinel.org is the website. If you want to check out this stuff, you can find the UNESCO, the Mahatma Gandhi Institute for Education for Peace and Sustainable Development. Very intriguing things. The direction that we're going is very scary with this globalization, the communist takeover, and we need to be aware of it very much. So, Alex, great information. I love having you back on. we got to we got to get you on more frequent than just every other year or so. we got to get you back on again soon. I appreciate it so much. Thank you, Andy. Love you. Hey, always a pleasure, my friend. Have a great weekend, too. That does it for us. Back at it again on Monday. Ready to rock and roll for another week. Until then, be your own voice of reason. Be that catalyst for change. Go check everything out there and lead and be that beacon of light in your own community. This is the Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio.